Hello and welcome to another jam-packed episode of We Love Books, the show where we absolutely love kids' books and we know you do too. On today's show, we're on the trail of some real-life dragons as author Lindsay Galvin shares the true tale that inspired her latest book, Darwin's Dragons. And we hear from you guys, starting with your answers to the following questions. Which books do not float your boat? What wouldn't you pick off the shelf to read? I don't really like the books where it's for children, but it's like way too for children. Things that are just trying to copy other books that were made for children. There's a bookshop that we go to and um, there's a section and it's got like loads of stories about knights and all. And I don't really, that's the section I wouldn't look at. I would not pick out to read this book called um, Dr. Pig and it's when this little pig dresses up as a doctor. Animals are very annoying. I haven't really read any like sci-fi books so I don't know about that or things like that. But books that have facts and like things like that I don't really like. I'm not a big fan of comics because sometimes writing can be all jiggly and that. That's short writing and it's all jiggly and squiggly. How am I supposed to read that? And like the pictures look like, I know they've been drawn, but because it makes it more exciting for me to like imagine it in my head. It's time for We Love Reviews. Today, 11-year-old Rosha tells us about a book she read and reviewed for us called The Soup Movement by Ben Davis. I'm Rosha. I'm 11 and I go to school Regia in Ranala. The book is called The Soup Movement and it is written by Ben Davis. The main character is Jordan. He's a nice person. He likes helping people and... The other main character, who isn't really in it as much, but they're called um, Rio, and they also like helping people, and they're also really nice. The book is about how small change can make a massive difference, and that it's always good to try. It's about um, a boy who gives some soup to a homeless man, and it just becomes a big, like, everyone around the world is giving soup, and like, it creates a big movement of people helping the homeless. I really did enjoy it. It's a well-written book and I really enjoyed the characters. My favourite thing was like that there's a lot of relatable real-life situations that like we're all in from time to time. It says that it's based on a true story so I say it's non-fiction. I think most people can enjoy this. It's a really good book and like a lot of people enjoy it. I think it's for like teenagers to maybe young adults. <laughs> Now it's over to five-year-old William, who is able to read the Dogman books by Dav Pilkey all by himself. Here's what William thinks of the books. My sister introduced me to it, so then I started reading it, and then I started like I first looked at the pictures, and now I've already read two books of Dogman by myself. So. It was first a dog and a policeman, then an evil cat called Petey, 
he got a bomb and put it and ran the cop forgot dogs are colourblind so ran with, okay and then he carted green and then kablam I was exploding so the cop's head was dying and the dog's body was dying so they chopped the cop's head off and the dog's head off and the dog's head got sewn onto the cop's body. Now on We Love Books, it's time for our interview with a featured author. Today, Lindsay Galvin tells us about the thrilling tale of Darwin's dragons and a fascinating character called Sims Covington. And my favourite thing about Sims is he was a real person. Let's let Lindsay tell you more about him and about herself. I am Lindsay Galvin and I'm a children's author. And I've got two books out. and My second book's out very soon and it's about dragons. I'm also, I used to be a teacher and I still teach a little bit at times. Also do some um, work with other people's manuscripts and do some editing, but mainly I'm an author. Can we talk about editing for a second? Because I think editing must be such a hard job because you have to have a sense of what's working, what's not working, and you have to get into another person's world. What does an editor do and what is it like? Oh, it's, it's very demanding and, as you say, you need to kind of get into the um, author's world and you can't rewrite the story how you think it should go. You have to understand what they're trying to say and what the story is and then help them to say it in the best way. So it's something I've been doing for about two years and I've definitely got better at it as I go along and now I'm all about making suggestions about how you could communicate better, but not interfering with what the author wants to say, because it's not my story. It definitely does help you with your own story. However, you can always think of the right advice to give someone else, but you can't necessarily think of the right advice of that. You can't necessarily follow that advice yourself so easily. Yeah. <laughs> I think a secret that kids don't always know is that books are not written and then they're done. There's rewriting involved. So there's a draft and then another draft and then an editor might help you. So could you talk a little bit about what the process was like writing your two books? How did that work? So when I, when you write a book, um, I, in, I was in the same position as a lot of your listeners in that when I was um, a younger person, I didn't really have the confidence to write stories when I got to about 12 or 13, because I just thought that my ideas weren't good enough and I'd have an idea and then when I'd write it, it wouldn't come out right. And so then I'd think, oh, I'm just not that good at doing this. But later on in my life, I started writing and realizing that actually when you first write the story, no one needs to see that version. And actually, it's the whole story gets written properly when you go back over it and do your rewriting, which sounds like a lot of work, and it is, but that, for me, is where the magic happens, and I can actually make it into a really good story. And then I get other people involved, so my agent and my editor nowadays, and they kind of mark my work, just like your teachers at school mark your work, and they will give me marks on all the different things that I need to change and just like you I will sometimes feel like oh I don't want to do it all again I you know I thought this was good and it makes me feel a bit sad and disappointed but then I have to keep my brain thinking 
the book isn't finished yet, the story isn't finished yet, and they're going to help me to make it better. And that's the way it ends up as a finished book. So many people have helped along the, along the way. If you read my first drafts, you would be thinking, this is not going to be a book because it's not good enough. So, yeah, try not to blame your teachers too much when they put those red pens on there. Keep <laughs> thinking. <laughs> keep, keep your eye on the, in the, in the long run, this is going to help me. Though it is hard, it is hard. Yeah, Even it's when you're grown up. hard work. It's not just inspiration and being able to use lovely words. It's hard work and discipline. That's what all the authors say to me. And, you know, the, yep. the people who don't get published are the people who quit, not the people who yes. aren't good enough. You have to keep going Completely. with it. Completely. I say 50% perseverance and learning, 45% luck that you found the right story that a publisher took it, yep. and 5% talent. So only 5% talent. (laughs) And the learning is so important because you can actually improve your work so much. You might think you're not very good now, but if you keep going, you can really, really improve. It is like a muscle. (laughs) You work it out. So Lindsay, you have two books written. What made you put pen to paper and say, I'm going to do this? Well, I'd always loved reading. So I really love reading, always read. I read every single night of my life before I go to sleep. I can't go to sleep if I haven't read anything. And I always wanted in my heart to write something, but I suppose I didn't have the confidence to do it straight away. And so what happened in the end was I actually just, my I'd had my children and they were kind of getting a bit older And I was thinking I should go back to work. And I didn't really want to go back to teaching full time. And I thought, what do I really want to do with my life now? You know, I've had my two kids. I'm not having any more. What shall I do? And I thought, I really want to write a book. And I thought, okay, I'm going to set myself a challenge to write a book in a year. And I wasn't planning on getting the book published. And I wasn't even planning on anything, just like something that I wanted to do and achieve. And so I sort of set myself out to write 200 words a day, which is like half one page in a paperback book per day. I thought I could probably do that. I'd sit in the evening. I'd not watch my usual TV to give myself a bit of time. And I'd write this. And But when I started it, I just really enjoyed it. And I started writing a lot more than that. Within about three months, I'd written a book. Now, this was not a good book. This was a very bad book. It didn't even have proper punctuation. I didn't put speech marks in it because I was writing so quickly that I just decided I'd worry about the speech marks later. And I just kept writing and writing and writing. And then at the end of it, it was really bad, but I'd enjoyed telling the story so much, even though I knew it had loads of problems, that I decided I'd look on the internet and learn how to edit it and see where I went from there. That's why I always say to young writers, if you can, write on a screen so you can edit it as you go along. It's fine to write in a notebook as well. I do that as well. But actually, writing on the screen is really useful when you're editing. You can also keep track of all your your word count and everything, which I imagine is very useful. But a trick, if you haven't got a laptop or a screen available, because I know how that feels, because I've been through times when I haven't, is if you're writing write every other line so when you're doing your first draft write a line and then leave a line and write the next and then you've got room if you want to go over it afterwards and be like your own teacher 
editing your work and changing it. That's a great tip. We always ask authors what their best writing tip for kids is. That's a fantastic one. Do you have any other tips or would that be your, your best tip? Well, I think that's a really useful tip. But also I would say that, oh, it's hard. There's so many different tips out there and you don't want to, I, I kind of feel like, don't worry if you hear some writing advice and you think that it doesn't feel right to you because actually you'll get all sorts of different people giving you advice about your writing and some of it will really help you and some of it won't really help you. But the things you should listen to are the things that actually make you want to write more. So anything that gives you a boost and gives you confidence is the most important thing. The only times I've had real problems with my writing is if I've had my confidence lacking. And so just keep going. Keep writing what you want to write. Write your own stories and don't worry about your readers until later. Write it for you and that's how you'll find what you enjoy. And read lots of books, the ones that you like, because that will really help your writing. Those are amazing tips. And speaking of amazing... Let's move on to Darwin's Dragons because this is <laughs> the most interesting book idea I have heard in a really long time. So we're going back to 1835. And these aren't just characters that you've made up out of your head. These are real characters. Yes. So this book is one of those ideas I think an author only has once in their life. And it didn't come to me straight away. Originally, I said to my publisher, they wanted me to write a second book for them. And I said, I want to write a book about real dragons, not fantasy dragons, not magic dragons, not talking dragons. I wanted to write about dragons that were animals, huge animals like the dinosaurs were. But originally we were going to put those dragons in the current day, in the, re in the current time. And so I started writing it and my editor said, It'd be lovely if you could add a bit where the dragons got discovered. So that's when we had a chat and I said, oh, I love the work of Charles Darwin. I'm so fascinated with Charles Darwin and his trip on the Beagle. And then she said, oh, and the Galapagos. And I, so then I started thinking, I'm going to write a story about a background story for these dragons that have been discovered in the Galapagos. And then when I did my research, I found that Charles Darwin, the famous scientist who was famous for discovering evolution, I know a lot of people know this scientist. He's probably the most famous scientist or one of them. And I found out he had a cabin boy on his boat called Sims Covington. And there isn't an awful lot of knowledge about Sims. There's lots of knowledge about Charles Darwin, but... Sims Covington was a boy when he joined the Beagle crew. The Beagle is Charles Darwin's vessel that he was travelling the world on. And Sims was, became Charles Darwin's personal servant. And he was also a fiddler. And when I discovered this very cool idea of a boy in 1830 living on a boat with Charles Darwin and going to the Galapagos... I just thought Galapagos, volcanoes, heat, dragons. It was like, I have to put these things together. And basically, as I was writing the book and I was already contracted for it, my publisher got back to me and said, Lindsay, actually, this story, the bit of background bit you've written is what 
is really shining out. And would you consider writing the whole book about Sims Covington and the dragons he discovers? And so that's how it began. And so I wrote this story about Sims, who is Charles Darwin's servant, and he's a 13-year-old boy. And he's involved in a shipwreck and ends up on a deserted Galapagos island in the middle of the most remote place on Earth on an active volcano, which means we're going to get lava and volcanic explosions. And he discovers a dragon while he's there. And he also makes a very special friend while he's there. And that's how the story went. It kind of grew itself. We weren't done with Lindsay just yet. Not before we subjected her to the grueling We Love Books quickfire favourites round. What is your favourite colour? Blue. Favourite day of the week? Thursday. Thursday? Why Thursday? Because it's nearly Friday. <laughs> your favourite <laughs> time of the year? Autumn. Favourite pair of socks that you own? Oh, I love socks. I've got some really big purple woolly ones. Amazing. They come right up to my knees. What is your favourite place to be alone? Walking on the beach. Your favourite animal? This will be hard for you, I imagine. Currently, it is my puppy dog because I am a new dog owner and I just am totally soppy over her. And we literally have like a lovely, cuddly, oh, I just adore her. So I'm literally puppy. I'll have to say puppy. Well, Sappy is absolutely gorgeous. So I can, I can verify. <laughs> what is your favorite kid's book that you read as a child? Oh, that is quite hard, that one. It's probably Enid Blyton, because I did read them over and over, those boarding school stories. You know what? I wouldn't like to read them now, I don't think. <laughs> But I love them. The ones where they were set out on the beach in their Mallory Towers and all of that. Oh, I loved that at the time. Your favourite sweet treat? Oh, oh, I love sweet things. Let me think. Really anything sweet I would eat. So this is really, really hard. Probably a Terry's chocolate orange. And I would <laughs> not share. <laughs> Definitely not. And do you bang it <laughs> to open it up? Or how do you, how do you open it? Bang yeah. it, open it up. Hide it from anyone in the house. <laughs> yes. Love, I love a chocolate orange. Your favourite pizza topping? Oh, it's got to be pepperoni. It's a classic. And you know what? I'm mainly vegetarian, but I still eat pepperoni because I just haven't managed to cut out pepperoni. Your favourite gift you ever got from Santa? Oh, that is really hard. You've melted me now. <laughs> favourite gift I ever got from Santa? I don't know, I've had lots of lovely gifts. One year, my mum did, I said to her, I just wanted books and literally gave her a massive list of books and she provided me with only books. And my mum's really generous, so there were loads of them and there was a pile <laughs> that was huge. And it took me about four years to read them. Well. But that was such a good gift. It was like, Every book that I'd ever wanted, I literally filled a bookshelf with them. <laughs> so I'm going to say that as one of my favourite ever gifts. Now on We Love Books, it's over to you. 
I asked 10-year-old Nina what book she would create if she sat down to write one tomorrow. She came up with a tale of power, strength and one young girl battling adversity on all fronts. My book would be about... It would be around the Georgian times and World War II. I would write about like people and how they lived and, and what they did and families were going off to war. And I would love to put in a little girl, maybe around 12 or 10. She was treated unfairly in her life and then she rises up. It's kind of like when women rised up to be able to vote. She'd kind of do that, except she wouldn't rise up for voting, like for women to also be allowed also around to fight because she was a warrior and to have the same rights as men. I haven't really thought about the name, but I want to include warrior. There would be maybe this bully because she has to go to school but there'd be this bully and he would tease her and all that and soon after he would like come back at her when she's older it'd still be a bad cut well throughout the book she learns to fight herself physically and mentally and she doesn't do everything she wants to do, but she does the important things first, but then she does some of the other stuff, but not all of them. Not a series, but not one book, so maybe three, two books. Thanks, Nina, for that fascinating and fantastic book idea. Well, that's all we have time for on today's We Love Books. You can catch up with any of our past episodes by searching for We Love Books wherever you get your podcasts with the help of a parent or guardian. Next time, author Eve MacDonald takes us on an adventure of epic proportions around London town in her book, Elf Time. Catch her interview in episode 26. I'm Neve Bennett. This is We Love Books. And until next time, happy reading. Happy reading.